0: that do you know uh, that, that the 10:30 service has just been happening um, people have been filling this place and actually in the 830 if you've been here some of you are, will choose and that's fine. And the reason that we're doing two services at the moment is that we can't literally when everybody actually comes into church we can't fit them in the one building uh, sorry yeah, in the one building at one time especially with the COVID um, restrictions at this present moment. I don't know when that's going to change. Um, don't forget, by the way, all our 12 and 13 year olds, the YPs group is happening. The wonderful Nick Frost is taking that. So all those who are going to connect, you can go right now. Thank you for all running out and joining him, he's excited. <laughs> okay, thanks. But um, so just so you're aware that that will continue and will happen. Um, the reality is, is that we've seen people over this last, since the 12th of July, when we started as a church again, on the 12th of that, the first Sunday back after, you know, with the COVID restrictions, that we've actually seen people come to the Lord and seen the church grow by about 50 or more people. Um, I'm underestimating, just so I don't over-exaggerate it, but it's probably more than that. But just God's been doing things in people's hearts and lives. So be encouraged, amen, and uh, what God's doing in the hearts and lives of people. Uh, amen? Yeah. You cool out there? Great. Hey, I want to continue. We, we, uh, I just want to read today uh, from a book in the New Testament called James. Um, it's only for what, when they origi- uh, uh, um, you know, divided it up, they made four chapters out of one letter. It was a letter originally. James wrote it to a group of people in Jerusalem, to the church in Jerusalem. Um, he, he was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He was the senior pastor, so to speak. In the church in Jerusalem, and so the letter became a wonderful letter that they then put into the canon of Scripture. Um, And uh, only four chapters, and it would have to be James, the book of James, or the letter originally of James, it would have to be the most simplest and most practical book, I think, in the Bible. So practical in in the content. And yet I see, interesting, in that James was writing, his intended readers were were, were all... um, Jewish converts. They'd converted from Judaism to Christianity. Now in those days they probably didn't call it that, but the reality was they were already believers in God. It's just that when Jesus came on the scene, and, and all that Jesus did for them, in that He died uh, on a cross, He was buried, and then resurrected, and in what He claimed He did, and He took away in His resurrection, took away the sins of the world. When they saw that, and when they, they believed in Him, they then stopped from becoming just Old Testament believers because they knew the Old Testament. They were Jews. And they'd memorized big hunks of the Old Testament. Now they became New Testament believers. They believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and who was God's Son. And so James is speaking to a bunch of people who probably are reasonably mature in their faith in God and now growing in their faith and belief in God's Son, Jesus Christ. So it's an interesting audience. Because some of the, you would have thought that as far as theology and all that, they would have had it down pat. They would have known what to do. And yet James gives them this incredibly practical message in his book. And the truth is, is that you and I know, it just goes, it tells me that you may know God's word, but do you live it? See, we may know the truth, but when it comes to living it sometimes in the world that we live in, It can be difficult. And James was saying to these guys, you know God's word, but are you living it? Are you literally willing to live it? And that's why we've called this series Live It. And uh, last week, we tackled the whole concept of trials in James chapter 1. It just talks about trials, count it all joy when you go through various trials. Today, we go want to move on to chapter 1, verse 12. And I want to read verse 12 to you. And it says, blessed is the man. Can we read there? Blessed is the man. New King James Version. Um, Blessed is the man. Can I just say that's um, generic, so it's man or woman. Blessed is the person who endures temptation. For when he's been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives bo- brings forth death. Don't be con- deceived, my beloved people. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, to whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of His creation. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger." For the wrath of people does not produce the righteousness of God. And then verse 21, we'll finish with, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. James is the kind of guy we all love, but we all can struggle with because they just want to speak the truth. And sometimes the truth can really hurt. (laughs) But James is that kind of guy. He just doesn't, doesn't... pull away from speaking truth he says come on he says hey you people who actually know god's word and has memorized large chunks of the old testament get rid of your filthiness wow and so today i want to talk to you um last week was trials this week i want to talk about not just life's trials i want to talk about life's temptations i want to just because that's what james addresses them it's not probably the most popular subject but gee it's necessary for us because there is a great reward for those who don't give in to the temptations of life. Does anybody here never been tempted? Okay. <laughs> Has anybody ever been tempted? Yeah. Come on. Hey, hey, maybe this morning as you're coming to driving here, you were tempted um, maybe to just, you know, not pull up at that amber light, but or just get sneaked through. And maybe you, were, uh, you, know, you got through, but as you're going through it went red. You thought, oh, shouldn't have done that. I don't know, maybe you were tempted this morning because you are a bit late to just go over the speed limit. You know, temptation happens all the time. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah come on. Okay, I'm really excited. Just anybody else in the building. <laughs> come on. The truth is, is that temptation happens to all of us, sometimes on a daily basis. It's, we're, we're not, um, you know, it's not optional. Unfortunately, temptation is optional, but how you choose to deal with it is optional. How you choose to deal with it. And, you know, it's interesting because um, temptation and sin are not the same thing. Temptation's not a sin. It's just the doorway through which we can access things that are not right to do. We, we all face temptation, but it's what we do with that temptation that then, then determines the, next, the, the results. Whether we turn away from it, walk away, or we engage and indulge in it. That's, that's the critical moment in our lives, isn't it? I don't have to tell you that this morning. Someone said this, free cheese is always available in (laughs) mousetraps. And some of the most fleshly, uh, satisfying things are easy to get. But, you know, unfortunately, uh, in time, they have a payday. They will demand stuff that can be so destructive to our lives. So how do we deal with temptation on a daily basis? How do we deal with it so that our temptation is simply just temptation and doesn't become something else and doesn't get the better of us? Well, James gives us insight into this. And even though it was written just under 2,000 years ago, um, the truth is it's incredibly relevant for today still and what he shares. He was sharing with a learned group of Christian people, Uh, I gather I'm sharing with the learning group today, but I've discovered in my life, I don't know about yours, maybe it's just me, I can read God's Word, but I've got to live God's Word, got to live the truth, and so here we go, just three thoughts this morning in regards to how to deal with temptation, in the first verse, it says in James chapter 1, verse 12, let me read it again, just for the sake of that, reinforcing what he's saying. He says, Blessed is the person who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Did you notice it doesn't say, Blessed is the person who gives into temptation? There's, not a, there's no blessing in giving into it. Just let's be honest. You know that, but I'm just stating the obvious. I want us to understand. It do, notice it doesn't say, Blessed is the person who never feels tempted. Okay? We do, we do it, truth is, there's no person like that. Everyone f- obtains or feels tempted at different times in life, to certain extents, whether it's large, incredibly big issues, or just small little things, like taking an extra block of chocolate, you know, whatever it may be. But we all feel it. But it does say this, it does say, blessed is the person who in what, endures temptation. That means the person who doesn't give in, doesn't give up. The person will receive something. The person who continues, perseveres, turns away. Whatever you want to say, whatever you want to describe it, it, does, it just talks about that. That's the person, that's the person that's going to receive a, a crown of life. In other words, something worth living for. You and I know that that crown of life can look like um, the reward of, 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 of an, a life that isn't being destroyed. It can be the reward of a life that's not prone to addiction. It can be all those wonderful things that come out of just standing strong. But James says something interesting. He says, the crown of life. That's an interesting thought. So, but here, just so I, just before I dive into that, let me say this. So here's the first key to overcoming temptation. It's always to look forward. You may say, what do you mean, James? Well, that's what James is saying. I'm James, as indifferent to the writer. But um, that's what it's saying. It's saying, um, looking forward. He's saying, hey, look, look beyond that moment. Look beyond that moment of temptation to the f- to what would it be in the future. And James talks about this crown of life. You and I know, uh, I want to explain what that really does mean. But it's a wonderful thing. So when temptation comes, if there's if there's one key, it's to look, not look. Because the reality is, James says, lift up your eyes and see what's coming your way. He doesn't literally say that. I'm paraphrasing it. But, and when you have not given into temptation, see the good things... And the good things that will come as a result of you not giving into temptation. And James uses a great analogy, this crown. He says crown. Do you know crown literally there means reef? Do you know what a reef is? It's some kind of plant that's been woven into a circle that is then placed upon the head of a person for something they've done well. Or, or especially in Jesus' day, the Greeks were profound at having these things called, um, you know, uh, athletic competitions, which they eventually called the Olympics. It came out of Athens, the very first Olympics. I've been to the stadium in Athens where they first had the first Olympics. It's quite amazing. But, you know, so so, uh, what would happen is the athletes uh, would compete in running events and whoever won, uh, the judges would take an olive branch quite a supple olive branch obviously and wo- wo- wind it twine it together in a circle and whoever won the race it then would be placed upon the head of the winner and that was seen a crown it was called in Elling, which would be called the crown now it's not literally a crown but the interesting thing about that it was a branch of olive wild tree that came from a sacred olive tree there in athens and the and it was highly sought after not because of its value because who knows it's going to just die eventually but because it was valued because of what it represented. And what it represented, folks, it represented an athlete who looked beyond the pain of discipline, of the training, and all the commitment and the competing to obtain the prize, to win the prize. And so this wreath or this crown was highly sought after because it demanded respect and value from every other athlete. And you were, your name was put up, not literally in lights, but your name was uh, gazetted across the community saying they've won the race. They've put in the effort. They've persevered and they've endured. And you know what? James says exactly the same thing. When you're faced with the temptation, when you're faced with the um, the immediate gratification to fulfill what you want to fulfill in your flesh, there is a moment when you, when you turn around and say no nah, I'm not going there there is a wonderful crown of life that gives great respect and honor and value to your life when you succeed in pushing through with that so you've got to look forward you've got to look beyond that momentary here and now that wants to satisfy it's a, uh, that, 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 uh, that one moment of indulgence whatever that may be James says look beyond it Temptation seeks to take our minds and um, wanting us to have no thought of future consequences if we indulge in this. That's what it seeks to do. It seems to b- wants to block out. Temptation wants to block out your thinking, oh well, if I do this, and you don't want to think about the consequences. Because sometimes we hear the lie, you can get away with it. Can I just say we never get away with it? We never get away. My experience, after quite a few years is I've never got away with it. There's always a consequence. It doesn't mean that you don't receive the mercy and, and the, the grace of God. Praise God for the mercy and grace of God because none of us could stand before him without that. Is that true? But the reality is is it's, it, it's the consequences. At that moment, temptation seeks to mask what you're doing with this just it's okay. No, 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 it's not okay. Stop. And look beyond it and say, "There's a better day if I don't give in to this. There's a better day." There there was a guy in the Old Testament, um, a young man. He was only 17 years of age. His name was Joseph. Some of you know the story. You can read about his life story in the very first book of the Old Testament, Genesis, chapter 37 through to 50. You can read about Joseph. Joseph was 17, hated by his brothers. He was sold by his brothers into slavery. He became a servant in an Egyptian. Uh, ruler's household the Egyptian ruler was named Potiphar um, he's and Joseph so conducted himself so well that Potiphar actually put him in control of all his household all the food all the other servants there was nothing Potiphar had to put his hand to Joseph looked after everything except one thing that was his wife he could not be he, he didn't he couldn't engage with the wife and that was a good thing Joseph was cool about that but unfortunately, Potiphar's wife was a lady who was, was um, up to some mischief. And so she saw this young man, 17, 18-year-old, handsome, well-built, strong, a little bit like some of you guys. Um, and, uh, and so she wanted him, and she would t- talk to him every day. It says in Scripture, every day she'd ask, would you sleep with me? Every day. And Joseph would say no. And then finally, one day, Joseph um, declared to her and gave her a little speech. It's recorded in, in, in Genesis. And he said you know what he says my master trusts me with everything in this household and i have access to all of it except you because you're his wife will I, I i will not do the wrong thing by my master i will not engage i'm not indulge with you and what that means is joseph was looking beyond the immediate gratification he's looking to the fact that he would not just lose his position but he'd lose his credibility, his good name, and possibly his life. Because as a servant, you could be, you know, had your head chopped off for that kind of, you know, adultery, involvement with another lady who's married, and, and lose his life for such an immoral act and betrayal of his master. But Joseph said, you know what? I'm not going to indulge. And you know, when we sometimes indulge in it, You've got to look beyond, because who wants to have a name that's not known, for, for, but it's known for a name that just gave in and indulged in something? Do you know there's men and women in the sporting field today and, who you know, and I'm not going to say their names, but you know. But when I first think of them, I know they've been great sportsmen or great sportswomen. But when I think of them, unfortunately, the first thing I think of is the way they treated their wives and the, and the breakup and the destruction that was caused to their family. And that's a consequence of giving in to that which maybe you shouldn't have given into. Do you know what I'm saying? But the consequence for not giving in is this wonderful honor and respect and a a life well lived. And so James declares to these people in in the Jerusalem church, he says, Come on, immediate gratification is no substitute for honor and respect and a good name. And it comes with never giving in to temptation. See... When you get tempted, you've got to look beyond. Come on, everybody say, look beyond, look beyond, look beyond, look forward. Think about that. Think about the consequences of, of not giving in and realize it's um, not worth it giving in. Here's the second thing. Um, James talks about in James 13 and 14 it says, "Let no one say when he's tempted I'm tempted by God for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt what anyone but each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires. come on and enticed. what's the, what that means is when we're tempted realize where it's coming from. realize where it's coming from here's my second point. While the first thing is looking forward, the second thing is looking in the mirror see. James says look at yourself and don't say it's God tempting you God doesn't tempt anybody he doesn't and you know the reality sometimes it's not even the devil tempting you it's not even the devil Um, it's certainly not God it's not even the devil what's tempting you Well, when you look in the mirror you see what's tempting you it's your desires it's my desires See, we've got to own up to that. We have to admit to the, the reason that I'm feeling to do the sin. Is, it's no one else's fault. It's actually my, my whole des- wrong desire. My wrong desire. And interesting enough, when Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer, He said, deliver us from what? Evil and lead us not into temptation. See, God doesn't tempt anybody, folks. God doesn't tempt anybody. God says it very clearly. In actual fact, He wants us to avoid it. But we can struggle to avoid it when we're not real about where our desires come from. We can say this tempted me or that tempted me. Um, you know that that questionable television show tempted me. Or, I I know I shouldn't have had that extra piece of cheesecake, but it was they put it out there. That was the problem. I sh- I know I shouldn't have bought that, but you know the glossy magazine was put right in front of my face, and I could see oh that or the. Television advertising, that I've got to have that. You know, it's not my fault. It was that was the problem. I want to tell you, it's never that being the problem. It's what's within us that's always the problem. It's the desire, isn't it? That's what James is saying. It's always the inner desire when we're drawn away by it. If if there's no wrong desire, it's it's just another piece of cheesecake on the plate that we know we don't need. Isn't it? If there's no wrong desire, it's just another piece of glossy advertising that you're not interested in. See, you cannot be tempted by something you don't like. But if you like it, or you get a desire for it, you can be tempted. I was, I was sitting in a room full of young 18-year-olds quite a few years ago, about 10. Um, that was a joke. <laughs> Thank you, but yeah, come on. That was a while ago. Obviously, that wasn't that impressive. But, you know, I was sitting in a room of 18-year-olds... And, and we were in a boarding house in Brisbane. I was there for, um, I worked for the Queen's Electricity Commission. And we'd all, um, all of us had apprenticeships with the Queen's Electricity Commission. Even though we were working in Gladstone Power Station, we were there because we're, they were giving us some training. And we all in this boarding house for men. in this one big room where six of us had our beds around the outside. And we're sitting in the beds just after work. And we're all just having a chat. Actually, it was a great bunch of guys. It was a good um, None of them Christians Um Um, but that's okay I was uh, and I tried to be a witness (laughs) but um, so as we're sitting there talking one of them produced a cigar now um, and he said hey I've never smoked a cigar who wants to try and you know everybody's have you know he's lit up the cigar and he's having a puff and he's passing it around and it got to me and I said guys do you know what I just I just actually am not that interested in smoking a cigar. I don't think I'll, I I don't like it. I don't want to. It wasn't even the fact that I was thinking it's not good for my health. I knew that. It was the fact I just didn't want to do it. It wasn't on my bucket list of things to do in life. I don't know. Maybe for you it was, but for me at that age, it just wasn't in my bucket list. And I said, "Guys, I'm not. I just don't like it." They said, and they were really good. They said, "Not a problem." They didn't treat me any different. I think they actually respected me more for making a stand in amongst all the other guys because you know they were all. I think some of them just felt the pressure, had to have a puff and kind of cough their way into the toilet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so y- it's interesting. So there's just some things you couldn't put a cigar. In actual fact, I've never put a cigarette or cigar to my mouth. Not because I'm a goody two choos or I'm just really good. No, it's got nothing to do with it. I just don't like it. Is that cool? i just don't like there's some things that you and you couldn't tempt me you couldn't put you couldn't light up a cigarette today say come on come on woo! i'll just well i don't want to do it because it's not it's i I know it's unhealthy but i just don't like it so it never tempted me but if you put a summer roll in front of me different story do you know what a summer roll is it's a nougat bar with chocolate on the outside and coconut all the way lined up and down it you know my wife the other day knew i had a big day and we went to the shops and somehow she snuck a couple summer rolls into the uh, uh, shopping trolley and as i'm coming out of the walking in the car park to go to the car she says hey would you like a summer roll she not only gave me one she gave me two well i demolished the first one and you know if i was really sensible and weren't gluttonous i would have actually put the second way away for later but i just demolished it within five minutes as well and, and some of you go, yes! <laughs> Do you know when I was, you know, when I was um, at the power station, th- they had summer rolls, and they had them in a box um, when I was working the, at the canteen, and it was right on the counter where you'd pay for your food, you know? And, you know I c- and one day I bought five and ate them within an hour. Didn't feel any kind of feelings bad about it uh, at the time, but then I realized as I get on in life, you can't eat five summer rolls every day of your life. It's not probably that good for your health. Here's the point, cigars, not a problem, summer rolls, problem. (laughs) Now, the reality is, we need to realise, I couldn't just say about the summer rolls, well, if you didn't put the box on the counter, where were we going to pay? If you didn't put so many summer rolls in there, I would have never bought five and eaten them all. It's the problems with what they've done. The problem's not with what they've done, the problem is the desire I have (laughs) It's the desire. And that's the thing that James is trying to get the the, these wonderful Christian people to acknowledge and to see the reality of that. As soon uh, you know, I've discovered in life, as soon as I blame someone or something else for my wrong desire, we become powerless to resist it. But as soon as I own up and acknowledge that desire, and it's not someone else or not something else's fault, it places the power back in my court and I have the opportunity to say no. It's about being totally honest with yourself. Is that cool? Here's the third thing about, um, s- about um, dealing with temptations, James says. He says in verse 21, Therefore lay aside all what? filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So if the first thing is to look forward and look beyond, and the second thing is to look in the mirror, look at yourself, and understand where it comes from, the third thing is this, is to look away. It's to look away. James says here, lay aside all filthiness. Lay it aside. Am I capable of filthiness? Absolutely. Are you? Absolutely. You say, no, I'm bigger than that. Don't let pride bring you down. I work, I, I live some day, saying, Father, I am very capable of doing or thinking or saying wrong things. Help me, God. I depend upon you. It's amazing how much his presence can infiltrate just your heart and life and help you walk through that day. And when temptation comes, go, <laughs> no you keep on walking, you turn away, but to, to just humbly walk before him, you say, no, we, we just get stronger, do you know what, you never get stronger, you just get wiser, and in getting wiser, you get stronger, but you've got to know, you've got to know, so, so James says, lay aside all filthiness, um, the, the one way to put away bad behavior is to not look at it in the first place, is to not look at it in the first place. I, it's no good saying, I want to be a vegetarian or I want to be a vegan and go to McDonald's every day and sit in McDonald's and just and say, well, I'm just going to buy the salad. I'm just going to buy the salad, which is a bit ordinary, to be honest, eh, nothing against McDonald's. But, um, you know, it's no good going there every day with your friends and saying, it's okay, I can handle this, I can resist it, because there may come a day, it might be five days, it might be five months later, every day at McDonald's, you know, McDonald's is renowned for beef burgers. It's not for vegetarians, you know, and so y- y- you could. But there's going to come a day possibly, and I don't know, to be honest, but there could come a day. If you're going to plant yourself in a place of temptation, please understand you're going to be tempted and you can say, well, I need to do that to get stronger. No, you don't. You don't need to put a bar of chocolate in the fridge and leave it there for years and say, it's just keeping me honest. No, you don't need to do that. Because it's bad, it's bad truth, it's bad, not even scriptural, because the word of God says, flee you for lusts, turn away from it. Not engage in it and try and, do you know what I'm saying? Flee from it. You say, but how could you ever become stronger if you don't put the temptation in front of you to know if you're strong? No, 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 you got it wrong. Always look away. When you always look away, it makes you stronger. It's not by putting it in front of your face. So the questionable television show, you say, it's okay, it's okay. If if, if anything comes up that's bad, I'll just flick it off. You know what? Ten times of that and you keep watching it, there's going to come a moment when you don't say, it's okay. And it's slowly, you know, the devil never takes you out full frontal. He always wants to just sneakily um, erode and destroy your life bit by bit. It's bit by bit. It's it's, it's it's saying, you know what? I don't even need to go to that place. I don't need to engage in that place. There's certain places I don't need to go. See, no structuring. Y- you know, you can structure your life so you don't have to face those vulnerable situations. Just stay away from them. Because when you stay away from them, you don't think about them. And you don't engage in them. And the more you don't think about them, the stronger you become. So... You see, you don't become stronger by putting the temptation in front of your eyes, you become stronger by not putting the temptation in front of your eyes. You become, turn it off, close the book, turn the telly off, uh, whatever it takes. Don't go to those places. Understand that you sometimes just gotta recognize um, what 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 is not in good for you. Maybe you need to ask yourself, when am I most tempted? What day of the week? Where am I most tempted? At work, at home, when I'm alone, when I'm with certain friends? How do I usually feel when I'm tempted? Tired, lonely, bored, or depressed, or, uh, or under stress? Then I just indulge. You know, sometimes under stress, what do people do? They eat the wrong thing. <laughs> so we've got to just acknowledge those moments. Acknowledge, and there's nothing wrong with being tired or, you know, nothing wrong with those emotions, but just uh, gather your thoughts and understand there can be vulnerable moments in life. And James is saying, they're the moments to lay aside, lay aside the filthiness. Turn away. Turn away. A pastor hopped on his regular bus in New York City. He was going to his office. He didn't own a car. He didn't need to because, you know, New York City, they've got public transport. And so he was on the bus t- going to his office. It was He already was a little bit late for an appointment, so he was rushing. So he got on the bus, paid his money to the um, driver, and the bus was crowded. And so he had to make his way through kind of the crowd. And, and he did find a seat right up the back, and he just wanted to sit down for a moment and relax. So he made his way through the crowd, set up the back in the last seat available. He's got he's got the change in his hands from what he gave. He gave too much money to the um, bus driver. And so the bus driver gave him the change. But as he looked at the change, he realized, oh, just wait a second, he counted it again. He counted it a, a second time. It was a dollar too much. He thought, oh, he, the bus driver's over giving me too much change. He put it in his pocket and then straight away, he started to reason how he could just... He didn't need to give that dollar back. He started to reason in his mind. Well, the bus driver was the one who made the mistake. Anyway, the bus driver doesn't obviously know that I've got the extra dollar. No one knows. Maybe God knows, but no one else knows. And and it wasn't my mistake. And besides, I'm late for my appointment and getting later. And besides that, there's a a door halfway down the bus. You know the buses with doors halfway down, you can escape. You don't have to go right to the front door. So he thought... And he thought of every reason to not give the dollar back. But his conscience wouldn't allow him, would he? Would he not? Or would he, he he wouldn't, it just wouldn't allow him. It just wouldn't allow him to do that. And, you know, often I find that the conscience has been given to us because it's called the Holy Spirit actually uses our conscience for our good. If you ever wondered who gave you conscience, God gave you conscience. And who speaks to your conscience? Often the Holy Spirit, because the Bible says the Holy Spirit actually does the convicting and so the, so we see the, um, the, bus, the uh, pastor, the, the bus finally comes to a stop. He makes his way all the way down through the corridor. As people are coming the other way, trying to get out the door in the middle, and he's making his way down, he's looking at the time, oh, late, really late. He gets to the driver and he says, uh, Excuse me, sir, you gave me an extra dollar um, in your change. Here, it's, I give it back. And the bus driver smiled and said, I wonder what you're going to do with that he said what do you mean he said well i gave you the extra dollar just to see whether you'd bring it back he says why he says well i was in your church last sunday and you spoke of overcoming temptation and i just thought i might see if you really practice what you preach you seem to i think i'll come back to that church the pastor went, okay, walked away stunned, a little bit stunned, because all he could think about was the reality of him and all the excuses he was trying to make up to get out of giving the dollar back. And then he started to think about how the bus driver would have known about the pastor who steals, I know it's only a dollar, but you know, and, and, and the truth is for the pastor, it wasn't a dollar that was the issue. It was just whether he was willing to go to the effort to do the right thing and I want to tell you today sometimes to not give into temptation is harder because you've got to go to the effort to not give in you've got to make the decision because sometimes the easy way out is just to give in but the effort that's why James says blessed is the person who in what in what's the word endures in temptation Presses through, pushes on. Because in the end, it, it gives a, a crown of life. And so, we see the we see the pastor started to think about everything. He thought, you know what? I am so glad that I pushed through. Because can you appreciate his name would have been spread around that little community of that part of that suburb of New York at least. Here's the man who doesn't give back the money. Here's the pastor. So his name would have been um, tarnished. His reputation would have been tarnished. And his witness for Jesus Christ certainly would have been tarnished. But he gave it back. And you know, in giving it back, he had to face those three things. He had to look forward and look beyond the easy answer of keeping the money. He had to look in the mirror and saw the desire that he had to escape with the money was wrong even though it wasn't about him pinching a dollar but it was about him enduring and pushing through and not being lazy and thirdly he looked ahead had to look away from the easy solution and do the hard yards the result was he won a person heart and maybe a person who would eventually be one to jesus he maintained his good reputation and that's a good witness and he strengthened his resolve to say no to greater temptations around money in the future isn't it amazing when you, when you overcome it a little thing, it's amazing how you can then start to build resilience that you overcome when the big temptation comes. You know, temptations never go away in life, folks. But they can just make you stronger. And as you get m- more stronger in life, it helps you to then defeat the bigger temptations that come as well. But if you miss the gate right at the small one, if you, if you take the wrong road on the small one, it's amazing how it just becomes larger and larger and larger problems for you is this the truth or not so I want to encourage you it's a really edifying message isn't it (laughs) that's a reality but James I'm being funny again I'm being okay Uh, but the reality is is that the message itself is what James was preaching to a apparently a mature group of Christians he was saying come on folks he says you guys know it but do you live it because it's for your good it's for your good can we, um, can I pray today for you? I just love, just to ask for strength today. Because you know, the reality is, is that we all face times and situations that can be difficult. It can be temptations that will come. But it's that crucial moment. And, and I'm of an understanding um, that there's probably people today that are facing, that are en- engaging and indulging in stuff today that you hate. You hate. You just, you just didn't want to be a part of it. You never wanted to be a part of it, but you've just taken one little step towards it, and then, and, and then it's got bigger and bigger and bigger, and it just wants to become a, a, a massive giant in your life, and God wants you to just help you break that, that issue. God wants you to help you break through, because it's possible. His grace and mercy is available. Do you know what it says in 1 Corinthians, that He'll not let you be tempted beyond your ability to remain firm? Isn't that a great verse? Do you know He, he provides a way of escape, and the way of escape is through Him where you keep your eyes and it's doing what James says looking beyond looking in the mirror within and then looking away it, it can happen it can happen some of us have got great testimonies here because you've you've gone down that path and you've, this thing has engulfed your life and then you've been able to beat it and defeat it and turn away and it and it's become less and less a problem now because you're stronger some of us are here before Jesus. We used alcohol was our thing, and, and today, you know, it's not, nowhere near a thing in your life anymore. I'm not saying alcohol is a problem, but you know, too much and over drinking it can be a real problem. So God wants to help you today break that. So today, as we just, I'd love you just to close your eyes today. We sit, and, and it's not my prayer, but it's God's presence, His Holy Spirit takes my prayer, and I believe that the power of God just to start to bring wisdom into your heart and a determination and endurance and perseverance to say i'm not going to go down that it might be as simple as as, as just a little eating issue it might be it might be something quite lustful it might be quite something that's just a struggle with um, how you react because you've got this pain in your heart and you always get angry whatever it may be today would you present that to god would you take the moment to say here it is father I need you today. I don't want to be destroyed. I want to have life, the crown of life. So, Father, today I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you that you have incredible purpose and destiny for us. No matter how far maybe um, we could be down that track of indulging in something that's not right, I know there's always a, a, a better day. I know that there's forgiveness and mercy and grace for us. But, Father, the reality is some people face some very hard decisions. Help them, Lord. Strengthen them, Lord. And help them to turn away to look beyond and to see what where the desire comes from as they look at themselves and then empower them lord to say no father i commit them to your holy spirit you do what i cannot do but you can do in, in our lives right now and i ask that in jesus name and everyone agreed said come on would you stand with me this morning i want us to seal that deal i want us to worship just for a moment See?